0: What's the month of February without the well-loved treats synonymous with Valentine's Day? Chocolate certainly. Welcome to the Nutrition Tidbits Podcast. This is Gloria Sang, editor-in-chief for Healthcastle.com. Joining me today is nutritionist David Grotto, author of a new book, 101 Optimal Life Foods. He's here today to discuss the latest scientific findings on chocolate's health benefits and the different types of chocolate available on the market today. Thank you for joining me, David!
1: Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and all of your faithful Health Castle listeners. <laughs> uh, it is indeed an honor and a pleasure, and uh, I will have to say for the record, Health Castle is definitely one of my go to websites for nutrition information when I don't have the answers.
0: Thank you for the compliment, David. <laughs> now, for our audience, please tell us and summarize the latest scientific findings on chocolate health benefits.
1: Well, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, Gloria, because of course we've uh, all heard within, I'm certain, the past five, maybe even ten years, that uh, the good news for chocolate lovers is that it may actually even have some uh, hidden health benefits to it. And it has often been proposed that those health benefits may have to do with the antioxidants found in chocolate. Um, and in fact, the health benefits may have little to do with the antioxidant properties, uh, but they may find that there's a group of what are called flavonols, uh, which is F-L-A-V-A-N-O-L-S, uh, which is actually a, a subclass of a bigger group called flavonoids. Uh, are, though they may have some antioxidant benefits, they may actually affect the inside linings or supporting the blood vessels for improved blood flow. So that may be the uh, the trick of how they're so beneficial for us.
0: Now, so you mentioned this group of substance called flavonoid with an A. So what is it? Is that different from the flavonoid with an O?
1: It is. It is different. Flavonols is different than flavonols. Uh, the, of course, flavonoids. Uh, there are so many different uh, types. Uh, you can get, um, you know, the cocoa flavonols. Uh, you can get uh, flavanols from uh, wine and and tea. tea. And there's catechins and all these other. It's all good. It's all wonderful. Uh, but there is some very specific research being done with these flavanols. again, more to do with what's called endothelial function. It's just the, uh, the uh, flexibility, if you will, of the inside lining of the blood vessels promoting more blood flow, not only to the heart, but I'll uh, tease the, our, our interview a little bit to say that it's also to every other important part,
0: Mm. Now, we see chocolate products on the market with different cocoa content, and it seems that people now pay more attention to getting a product with higher cocoa content. So does that really mean higher cocoa content means dark chocolate also, meaning it's better for us?
1: Well, in the first book I wrote, which is 101 Foods That Could Save Your Life, which came out a few years ago, I actually pointed out that I used to be an advocate of telling people dark is always best. Uh, You know, raise the ante of the percentage of cocoa. I mean, make it almost... uh Uh, disgustingly bitter uh, where it's not even enjoyable anymore. As long as you're getting that really high percentage of cocoa, that would assure the consumer of the health benefit. But research is showing us that it is nothing to do with the percent cocoa. It's actually what's left over of these healthy cocoa flavanols after the cocoa process and unfortunately, even one of the uh, you know the cocoa products that we think are probably the most decadent or uh, best from a culinary standpoint, uh, surprisingly, may not be the best for cocoa flavanol content because of the way they process it. The difficulty is for consumers is it's so hard to find products that boast of their cocoa flavanol content. Um, the good news I have to share today is that uh, here in the United States, probably the chocolates that you would least suspect to be the healthiest may indeed be the healthiest uh, <laughs> because of the, the way they process them. So um, hopefully, I'm, I'm really hoping in the future is that there will be uh, some mandatory labeling that talks about the cocoa uh content because mm-hmm. there is so much confusion in the marketplace.
0: So in a nutshell... <laughs> What do we do now? So how much chocolate should one eat in a day in order to reap, you know, its health benefits?
1: Well, you know, the rule of thumb is uh, have an ounce a day to keep disease away. (laughs) I think that's a good thing to do. Uh, More is not necessarily better. Now, if you take a look, Gloria, around the world of how different cultures consume cocoa, it's not always finished off in a very decadent chocolate bar. Um, there are indigenous populations that actually drink it as a bitter cocoa beverage. Um, so as long as you're not bringing along in a lot of extra calories along with it, uh, you can do more than an ounce a day, but I would probably prefer that my patients do that more as a cocoa powder Uh, that is unadulterated, doesn't have a lot of extra calories and sugars and things added to it. So it's just better to add that to your food.
0: That makes sense. Now let's talk about being a smart chocolate consumer. We see labels like organic or fair-traded chocolate. Are these better for us?
1: Well, you have to keep in mind also, I hail from the natural foods industry and uh, right along with giving the information that dark is best, (laughs) and then later on found that I was wrong all along, uh, it was pretty much the same thing that we're finding too when it comes to chocolate uh, nutrition quality, that there isn't an advantage, if you will, by getting organic or fair trade chocolate from a nutritional standpoint. Um, So, I would argue if you're going to make choices for fair trade or organic, it truly should not be based that you're thinking you're getting some sort of a nutritional superiority or advantage to that because the literature really isn't there to support that.
0: Mm. Now, another food item I often hear with regards to vegan baking is carob chips and replacement of chocolate chips. What are the main differences between cocoa and carob? Well, carob
1: is actually uh, not in the same family of, uh, of, of the chocolate or cocoa uh, plant. In fact, um, the uh, botanical name for carob is Ceratonia siliqua, and this is actually also known as St. John's bread. It is a long reddish-colored pod uh, that uh, grows up to a foot in length uh, you will find it in a variety of different areas throughout the world. Uh, quite often what you will see it as an ingredient in bakery goods is locust bean gum, which is an ex- extract from cocoa seeds. Uh, but carob uh, originally uh, came from the Middle East, Uh, it was revered, it was a a delicious tasting product, but uh, I would argue that if you're a chocolate purist, uh, many would say that uh, carob uh, fails in comparison (laughs) or pales in comparison to the taste of chocolate, but uh, having worked in the natural food industry for people who, uh, you know, were having chocolate allergies or just, you know, for some reason uh, didn't uh, react well to chocolate, you can use carob, it is a really a very good replacement in baking and in fact in my 101 foods that could save your life book I have a wonderful uh, recipe by chef J. Hugh McAvoy for a carob walnut cake, which is just absolutely scrumptious. Uh, but the health benefits are a little bit different in carob compared to chocolate. For example, uh, carob actually is, uh, is fairly nutritious. It's a very good source of fiber and protein. It's high in magnesium, calcium, iron, and potassium. Uh, but it doesn't have quite the same phytochemical or plant chemical makeup that chocolate has. Um, so uh, ideally, I would recommend, if you could, eat both.
0: Mm, Good information. Now, David, this is your second time on Hellcastle Show, and you just released your second book. So tell us more.
1: Sure. Well, the first book, which was 101 Foods That Could Save Your Life, was just all about that. What are these foods that you can add into your diet that could save your life and maybe uh, push the envelope of getting you more Quantity of life. But I started talking to my patients, and they said, well, what good is quantity without quality? And what I noticed, Gloria, in this past, let's say, five or seven years, I started having more of my patients asking me more about quality of life issues. I had moms that were trying to get their three kids off to school in the morning. Uh, I had a job to go to and still wanted to have energy left for them. What could they eat to improve energy and combat fatigue? I was having uh, guys my age, middle-aged men, that were losing their jobs, reapplying for other positions, and going up against guys half their age, and they wanted to know what foods could actually improve mental performance. And then uh, the last category, which I found very interesting, is I was having younger men saying uh, they were having difficulties with sexual performance, or young women saying that they were having trouble getting pregnant. Uh, What could they do to add to their diet? Now, interestingly enough, coming back full circle, you will see in the 101 Optimal Life Foods book, I have recommendations for cocoa for all of those problems because all of those actually do stem from poor circulation and not having adequate uh, vascular blood flow. And here we do see the latest research for cocoa showing that it can actually help in all of those areas.
0: Great. Thank you again for joining me, David.
1: My pleasure. It's a pleasure as always.
0: We've been talking to nutritionist David Grotto, author of 101 Optimal Life Foods. For more healthy eating tips and information about this show, go to healthcastle.com.